The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats came from Tiberias, came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord and given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. They said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Long ago, far away, my wife and I lived in a magical, mystical, wonderful, strange and foreign land named New Jersey. One of the reasons we came to love New Jersey is that people there say what's on their mind. In New Jersey, the filter is always off. People scream and yell and even swear at you. They point at you and they tell you off, even at work, even in the office. You get the sense that these strange and fascinating creatures are so strong and forceful and independent that they will not be conquered. It would be best for you if you would play along, or at least stay out of their way, because nobody is going to tell them what to do. So you can imagine how surprised we were to find out that lots of folks in my wife's very small office had arranged marriages. This just didn't fit together. Here are these loud, expressive, accomplished, forceful people, the ones who had cut you off while driving and then blamed it on you, waving their hands at you in particular ways, folks who have a particular opinion about everything and everybody but tell you to forget about it. Folks who tell you more about yourself than you want to know. But then, 
when it comes to the biggest decision of their lives, they let their parents and their family and their friends make the call. How exactly does that work? It turns out that these folks, who were often Indian or Jewish, had a very different definition of love. We all tend to think of love as a feeling. So we want to marry somebody who will keep things interesting and fun and exciting and comfortable and entertaining. We know that we are in love when we feel good. At least that's how we think. But these folks came from communities that have a very different definition of love. They thought of love not as feeling, but as action. They thought of love not just as a man and a woman having fun, but as a man and a woman having jobs and having kids and having families and having extended families, having responsibilities and engagements that were far beyond themselves, having a history and leaving a legacy keeping the family name going, keeping their family's honor intact, and preserving their own culture and history and ethos. They thought of love as doing their part to build their community. Love was made up of self-giving and of self-sacrifice. It was love in the name of something greater, something mysterious, something ancient, something bigger than just the two of them, something that runs deep and lasts for a very, very long time. They knew they were in love when the work was getting done. That was how they thought about it. It turns out that Jesus is a lot more like them than us more like folks that arrange marriages than those who don't. And here's why. The crowd in the gospel for this evening is in love with Jesus because they feel good. They were sick and Jesus healed them. They were hungry and Jesus fed them. They had demons and Jesus cast them out. They had dead and Jesus raised them. And today they want more. They think of love as that good feeling. But Jesus, Jesus very clearly wants action. Look, says Jesus, you've got to see beyond the signs. You've got to look below the surface. You've got to get past the appearances. You've got to recognize what is really going on here. Feelings are nice, feelings are great, but first and foremost, says Jesus, I want action. Action that is magical and mystical and wonderful and strange and foreign. Action that is good and honest and beautiful and true. Action that springs from a history and then leaves a legacy. Action that looks very much like having jobs and having kids and having families and extended families. Action that keeps the family name going. Action that keeps the family's honor intact. Action that preserves my Heavenly Father's culture and history and ethos, action that builds my community, my kingdom, my church, 
That is love, according to Jesus. Verse 28. They then said to Jesus, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And without missing a beat, Jesus says in verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent me. So the work, the action, that love that saves us is not our work at all. It is the work of God gifted to us. It is the work of God in us. It is the work of God the Holy Spirit. As you know from years of being together, the simplest definition of faith is that faith agrees. This isn't an intellectual ascent solely. This is to put everything you've got into it, to agree with God, give thanks to God, bless God, respond to God to the forgiveness and the mercy with which he touches us in the person of Jesus Christ. There is a history and there is a legacy in a church like that. It is the history and legacy of God who always makes the first move. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or the only story in Scripture is the story of resurrection. You heard it tonight. It's manna in the wilderness, bread from heaven, which is not unlike the flesh and blood of Jesus in the manger at Christmas or the flesh and blood in the Eucharist tonight. God who comes to us and blesses us with a food that never perishes. This is the good news. This is the gospel that God has loved you first. Which is to say, God has acted for you first in Christ. Of course, it didn't always feel good, especially when he was on the cross dying for your sins. But this divine love This is action. And the action is this, that God sent him to you. God sent him to us for the life of the world. The action of the incarnation of God made flesh is God's truest way of loving you and me. And the greatest proof is this, In loving you, Jesus would rather die than hold your sins against you. And now this evening, Jesus is simply asking you to love him back, to have his gifts, to rejoice in what he's given you already, to see deeply, to see and love and live beyond the signs, to see and love and live within the gifts that he gives here in his house, to cling to what is good and honest and beautiful and true, which is to say, to cling to the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And enjoy this bread from heaven, given in the manger and on the cross, and now in the Holy Eucharist for the life of the world. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.